Amen. Good morning. Thank you for being with us. Please be seated. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. If you didn't do last week, or as I suggested, or if you weren't here, we're going to all do the same thing we did last week so nobody feels left out because it's hard to find Jonah sometimes. Just go ahead and turn to the table of contents. Everybody do it. Okay? I don't want anybody to feel like they're the only one. It's a difficult book, so find the table of contents. I'm doing the same thing. Just like I told you last week, the book of Jonah is on page 767 in my Bible, so it's not on 767 in yours. Well, some of you could have a Bible. I love the opening verse of this chapter. Then Jonah prayed. Boy, what might be different in your life if you prayed? Then Jonah prayed to to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay salvation belongs to the lord and the lord spoke to the fish and it vomited jonah out upon the dry land let's pray together father god i am grateful to you for you are a god of chances lord god not just second but third and fourth and fifth you are a god who saves to the uttermost and lord god though our lives may feel as though they are wasted away god at death bed If we cry out to the Lord, Lord God, you still save. Thank you that you are a God of deliverance. Deliver us here today from our sin. Deliver us from our shame. Deliver us, God, from our pain. Deliver us, Lord God, from our rebellion and our obstinacy, Lord God. Deliver us into your presence and into your will. And, Lord God, into your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, God's deliverance is not always pretty, but it is always good. When he rescues you from the mire and the muck of your sin, sometimes it hurts, but there is always safety and joy in the will of God. When Allied forces invaded France on D-Day, French citizens who had lived under German oppression were hiding in their houses and in their businesses. You can imagine as the gunfire would have erupted and as the, 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 the Allied bombers came in and just left 20-foot deep, 10-foot wide craters all over the countryside. They're all across the beaches. Some of the bombers missed their mark. 
And so they didn't hit the beachhead at all. Instead, they were, they were several miles inland. And these people were hunkered down, hiding in their houses as they heard artillery fire from the sea. And they heard artillery fire from the land. And they heard small arms fire as, as the soldiers made their way up the beaches and onto the dry land and across the countryside. And they would rush into these homes. They'd rush in with grenades and with guns drawn. And the people would begin speaking French. And the Allied forces would begin to communicate. And this was a repeated refrain from the French people. Is this the liberation? Oh, what joy it must have been for those people. Those people that had lived under German oppression, under German rule, those people who had been conscripted into service, those people who had been conscripted into slavery, those people who had seen their families and their friends and their loved ones taken off by train car to concentration camps where they would be starved to death or beat to death or gassed to death or worked to death. They saw salvation arrive. And then there were these others that showed up. You see, as a part of the Allied invasion, there were French commandos. Now, France had been overrun by the Germans, and yet some had escaped out, and they volunteered to go back. Why did they volunteer to go back? They volunteered to go back as a liberation force to free their homeland from the oppression of German rule. They wanted to be a part of the deliverance. Folks, do you need to be delivered today? Do you need to be delivered today? Can I just tell you that you are not a French commando going back to liberate your home country. You are a French citizen living under the rule of foreign command. But the opportunity exists today. For you to be delivered from your sin and your shame and your pain, the opportunity exists for you to be delivered from your own rebellion and to have your feet set on the solid ground, the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. Jonah needed a deliverer. Jonah needed to be delivered. And this morning, if you're here today and you need to be delivered, I have hope for you. There is hope found in no other name save the name of Jesus Christ. But here's the really good news. He loves to save. He's in the business of saving. And so this morning, there are three things that I want to pick up on from Jonah chapter 2. There's actually about 43 things, but we're going to limit ourselves to just three things this morning so that we're not here until 5 o'clock this afternoon. The first thing I want you to know this morning is that you are not too far gone. You are not too far gone. The Bible says that then Jonah prayed to the Lord. When did Jonah pray to the Lord? See, if you didn't read Jonah chapter 1, you'd be struck going, when did he pray? What's the big deal? But the Bible says that Jonah prayed to the Lord after Jonah chapter 1. It's important that we read Jonah 
chronologically. Jonah chapter 1 comes before Jonah chapter 2. And in Jonah chapter 1, we read the story, as we looked at last week, of Jonah's rebellion and of God's judgment and of God's warnings and of God's ultimate storm that came upon him. And we see that even in that place, you remember they said, what is your occupation? Do you remember that Jonah was still so stuck on disobeying the Lord that he wouldn't even tell him what he did for a living? No, I'm not a prophet. I'm just a guy. I'm just some dude that's here, and and I know that this is probably my fault. Somebody asked me this morning, why didn't Jonah jump into the sea himself? Why did he say, why do y'all have to have him thrown in? I said, I think it's because Jonah was content for everybody to die with him. Look, if y'all want to throw me overboard, that's your own business. But if not, we'll all go down together. Jonah said, I would rather die than do what you've called me to do, Lord. I would rather die than obey your will. Listen to me. There are some of you in here today who for many years have known what God's will was for your life, who for many years have known what it was that the Lord would require of you, and yet instead of honoring and obeying the Lord, you've ran You've ran into drugs, you've ran into addiction, you've ran into crime. Some of you say, no, I'm successful, that's just fine. You've ran to your own success, you've ran to your money, you've ran to your own comfort, and yet in the middle of that running, can I tell you that you've not run so far that God can't bring you home? Jonah knew the Lord, and, and, and so we read Jonah chapter 1, and so then they throw him over sea, over, over into the sea. And it's not until he hits the water, and Jonah says, I was going down. Where was he going? I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me from where? Out of the belly of Sheol. Where is Sheol? In the Old Testament, listen, sometimes we get confused and we equate Sheol with hell. That's not what Sheol means. In the Old Testament, Sheol is just the place of the dead. You understand? He said, from my death, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. Y'all don't seem too excited about that. Maybe y'all haven't read the New Testament. Maybe y'all didn't read the book of Ephesians. Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, and God saved us anyway. Now this is what's interesting. Jonah knew the Lord. He at least knew about the Lord, didn't he? When we read Jonah chapter 2, what we discover is that Jonah is praying not on dry land. Where's Jonah praying? From the belly of the fish. Now, y'all... Jonah knew God so well. He knew the Lord well enough that he would save. As a matter of fact, if we continue to read, you're going to see next week, and in the next week, you're going to see in 3 and 4, one of the reasons that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh is because Jonah knew exactly what God was going to do. You see, the Bible says that God is a God who desires what? To save sinners. Jonah knew that he was a God rich in mercy and grace. And he knew that when he went to Nineveh and he proclaimed God's judgment, that the people would repent. And God, Jonah knew that if the people repented, that God would save them. Why didn't God, Jonah want to go to Nineveh? Because Jonah hated the Ninevites and he didn't want God to bless them. Folks, this is the story of racism in our country. This is part of the story of racism in our country. 
We have so hated people that didn't look like us that we would rather they go to hell than they come to church with us. God forbid. Jonah said, they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't sound like me. I don't want them here. I don't want them worshiping with me or worshiping the same God. I will not go. God says, you're going to go whether you like it or not. So the Bible says that Jonah ran. But can I show you something else about Jonah? Jonah not only knew that God would save them, Jonah knew that God would save him. There's somebody here today, I could almost bet if I were a gambling man, that grew up in the church. And you know a whole lot of things about the Lord. As a matter of fact, you know most of the things about the Lord. You know the Bible because you've been to vacation Bible school. You've been to Sunday school. Maybe you went to confirmation class. Maybe you've been all over. And here's what you know. You know that he is a God who will deliver you. But you're still trying to save yourself. You're still satisfied in your own situation. You're still satisfied in your own rebellion and sin. Jonah knew the Lord and yet Jonah was still running in my prayer time this morning. And I wish I'd translated this, transferred over into my sermon so I could get it to you verbatim. But this morning it just occurred to me that a knowledge of the Lord is not an insulation against what? Against disobedience to the Lord. The Bible says that Jonah knew the Lord. He knew him well enough to know that he would save. And yet Jonah still disobeyed. Why? Because Jonah decided that he wanted what Jonah wanted more than he wanted what God wanted. Some of you just want what you want. And I'm here to tell you today that God can take you from where you are and put you to where he wants you to be. And he can change your life. You're not too far gone. You're not too far gone. Jonah rebelled from the Lord. Have you rebelled from the Lord? See, I wanted to use that word on purpose this morning. A lot of times we like to say, I disobeyed. And somehow that sounds a little bit more mundane, doesn't it? That's a little softer. But rebellion is something altogether different. Disobeyed just says, I knew the right thing and I didn't do the right thing. Rebellion says, I knew the right thing and I intentionally didn't do the right thing. Rebellion is, I knew the right thing and I on purpose went 180 degrees the opposite way. Can we just be honest? Some of you are living not in disobedience. You're not backslidden from the Lord. You're in absolute and utter rebellion. You know what is right and you are choosing what is wrong. And I'm going to come on a little strong right here and I'm going to say this to you. You should pray to the Lord right now that he would convict you of your rebellion so that you can turn from your sin and come to Christ. It's not too late while there is breath. There is hope. What are you living in rebellion about today? We live in the South. 
Most of you are from the South, which means you have at least a general understanding of what this book says. Are you living according to what God's Word says? Or are you living according to what your heart says? Your heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and cannot be trusted. And when your heart lives in opposition to this Word, trust me on this, you're wrong. The Bible says you're in sin. But I'm not going to beat you up forever because I want you to know that no matter where you are, where you've been, you are not too far gone. If you stumbled in here hungover this morning from a six-day drunk, you are not too far gone. If you fell off the wagon last week, you're not too far gone. You're not. There's hope. Why is there hope? Because there's Jesus. There is Jesus. You're not too far gone. Number two this morning, I want you to trust God's plan. What was God's plan for Jonah? See, his desire was for Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah rebelled. Jonah did what? He went to Nineveh anyway. Isn't that something? Now, we didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to do a lot more last week. My notes were about 45 times as long as the sermon was. I wanted to talk about a whole lot of other things, and I'm tempted to go there right now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward. But, but I, I, I want to point this out to you. Jonah went anyway. And not only did Jonah end up going where God wanted him to be anyway, Jonah, who would not even acknowledge his prophetic role to those sailors, became an unwitting missionary, not only to Nineveh, but to all the sailors on that ship. The Bible says they cried out to the Lord. They didn't even know who the Lord was till Jonah got there. You understand? He said, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the Lord. And they went, whoa, we thought there was a God of the sea. It turns out he is the God of the sea and the dry land. Y'all put that dry land thing in your brain. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Folks, God's plan for Jonah went right, even if it wasn't desirable or easy or fun. Can I tell you that you can trust God's plan regardless of how crazy it may seem? I want you to think about some of the things that are part of God's plan. I just, I just, can we just step out of our church mindset and let's just think about this like you were at McDonald's and some random person walked in and just started saying these things. I want you to trust somebody else to save you because you can't save yourself. I want you to believe that somebody else died for your sins and not for his own sins but for yours. I, I want you to love your enemies and I want you to pray for those who persecute you or who curse you. I want you to forgive those who wrong you. And listen, once you've done all that, I also want you to tie the tenth of your income to the church. Folks, that sounds a little bit crazy unless Jesus is alive and real. And he knows what in the world's right for our lives, doesn't it? I want you to know this morning that you can actually trust God's plan. You can trust God's plan. Why? Because God's plan is right. Let's jump into this text of Jonah for just a few minutes. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. We're going to sing that in just a minute. I'm excited for the invitation already. He heard my voice. You cast me into the deep and the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. You ready? Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. What kind of faith is this? Jonah, in the belly of a fish, says, I know that I'm not going to perish here because I know God has a plan for me, and I know that God's way is right, even if right now it smells like rotten fish. You can trust God's plan. 
God's plan is not politically correct. It is not politically correct for me to stand up here and tell you that Jesus is the only hope for salvation. But politically correct or not, it is God's plan and you can trust it. You ready? Even if you don't like it. You can trust for him to mold your will into a place where you begin to love even the things that you don't appreciate right now. How many of you have found, your way to, found a way to do that? How many of you have experienced through the process of sanctification that the Lord actually gave you an appreciation for something that in the past you didn't even like? I think about it kind of like Brussels sprouts. Yeah? Right? Some of y'all don't have a sanctified taste yet. Okay? But I love Brussels sprouts. I love them. Like a lot. We cook them all the time. We cook them on the grill. We cook them with bacon. We, with ba- y'all, if you don't like them, cook them with bacon and you'll like them, okay? They cease to be healthy at that point, but they are amazing. Do you know that the Lord can grow your spiritual tastes? It's amazing that a heart for holiness begins to be formed in God's children. We begin to desire the things that once upon a time we detested. That's the process, but you can trust God's plan. Not only are you not too far gone, you can trust in this. I mean, let me give you a promise. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Even the Ninevites. Even the people you don't like. Even the person that stared at you in the mirror this morning. That person can be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord. Not only can he save and will he save all who call upon the name of the Lord. Even for his children who are living in rebellion. Even for his children who are living in depression. Even for his children who are living enslaved to their sin he is enough y'all will you trust God's plan would you be willing to trust God's plan he said to Peter get out of the boat and come on see God's plan for Peter was to walk across the sea and God's plan ultimately for Jonah was to be thrown out of the boat go all the way down and just at that last moment to cry out, Lord, God, save me. And you know that in that moment, He did. You know you're not so old that God can't save you. Let's forget about not too far gone. Salvation is not just something for children. One of the things that I am thankful for is when adults come to Christ in our church. Now, obviously, I'm grateful for that simply because I'm I'm glad to see you come to the Lord. But the other thing I'm thankful for is when adults are baptized in our church, it helps other adults to recognize that this isn't just like a children's thing. Thrilled my soul when we have 70-year-olds get saved and baptized because then other adults go, oh, maybe that's for me too. But even if, Everybody else that got saved and baptized was a child. Would you trust in God's plan to humble yourself and become like a child that you might be saved? The Bible says that at one point in time, Jonah was a court prophet. He had prophesied, according to the book of 2 Kings, 
prophesied about the rule, the expanding rule of Israel. He had some kind of access to the royal family. Now, he might not have been there all the time, but he had enough access that the king heard Jonah's prophecies. Folks, a royal prophet is not supposed to be in the belly of a fish. And yet God had to ruin him before he could make him. Will you trust God's plan? I texted a friend of mine just this week, and I had watched the way that God's plan in his life destroyed him before God built him back up. But see, I'd seen this. Because this man had been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And there was still a particular sin that he wouldn't let go of. And God had to break him. But when God did, y'all, what God built was something far more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. Something far more amazing than I could have ever hoped for. God took a broken man and made him into a child of the king and a leader in his family and a leader in the church. Will you trust God's plan for your life? Would you? Would you trust God's plan to surrender? Would you trust God's plan to give up? The Bible doesn't say let go and let God. It's not in there anywhere, but I'm going to tell you something. If you will, you might find that God would do something with you unlike anything you ever imagined. You're not too far gone. You can trust God's plan. And then finally this morning, I want you to brace for the process. Hang on. Every once in a while when I'm trying to give Angela some big news, I'll say, honey, you want to grab on to something? Now, it's not usually like really big news. It's usually something that I just want her to you know, give me credit for. She never does. Like it's usually like, honey, you might want to grab on to something. She said, okay, okay, what? I said, baby, I, I, I loaded and unloaded the dishwasher today. And then she rolls her eyes and walks away. I mean, I don't understand why I can't get credit for that. I feel like I did a good job, you know? Folks, let me tell you something. When God steps in, when God shows up, a lot of your lives is going to look more like Jesus cleansing the temple than it does leading you beside still waters. See, Jonah says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. That's interesting, isn't it? They forsake their hope of steadfast love. But the opposite of that is true. If I will pay regard to the Lord. Now, Jonah cries out not simply to God, not to Elohim. He cries out to the Lord. In your Bible, that's going to be like capital L and then short capital O-R-D. That's an indication in your English translations that the Hebrew word used there is Yahweh. Or some of you may have, have, Jehovah. When you hear Yahweh and Jehovah, those are are the same words. It's just an academic conversation about exactly how it is that the vowel should be pronounced, okay? In 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 the consonants. So the J and the Y become interchangeable in lots of languages. But the word here is Yahweh. I cried out to Yahweh. It's important here. He cried out to a specific God, not to a generic God. He cried out to the God of Israel. But, but Yahweh, literally, he, the God of the covenant, 
You see where I'm going with this? I cried out to the God who keeps his promises. And when I cried out to the God who keeps his promises, the Bible says he saved me. Now, look, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But, listen to me, those who pay regard to the King of kings and the Lord of lords don't forsake their hope of steadfast love. Instead, they can hope in his steadfast love. But it's not going to necessarily be easy. Do you understand? See, when God shows up and begins cleaning up the spiritual house of your life, for some of you, there are a lot of vain idols that have got to be ripped out. And folks, they're not just sitting on a shelf somewhere. They've been concreted in the front yard. And God is coming in with a jackhammer. And he's digging those things up and he's throwing them out back because he's setting himself up as the Lord of your life. The Bible says when Jesus walked into the temple, he looked around and he threw everything around. He flipped over tables, he put together a whip, and he ran people out and he said, this is my house. We talked about this in the book of Mark a few weeks ago, remember? Well, months ago now. Remember, Jesus was not simply saying you can't treat God's house this way. Jesus was taking his place as the rightful king over Israel. And he alone could determine exactly what was going to go on in that place. And he said, I am the king of this house. Some of you are going to experience when God comes in an undoing in your life unlike anything you were prepared for. I want to brace you for that. I want to prepare you for that because in just a moment I'm going to ask you to give your life to Jesus and I don't want you to come to me in two weeks and go, I didn't expect this. I'm telling you right now, when Jesus comes into your life, he's going to wreck it, but he's going to make it into something absolutely gorgeous. Who said it was going to be easy? Jonah gets vomited out by a fish. Now, vomiting in the Old Testament is often a reference to God's judgment. Watch this. Jonah is delivered through God's judgment onto the dry land. Remember, we're going to come back to that. Why does the Bible make reference in multiple places to the dry land? There was this thought process going on among the soldiers. They said, can we just get back to the dry land? Why did they want to get to the dry land? They thought that they had encountered the God of the sea, and they needed to get back to the place where he couldn't hurt them. They thought that God was something like Poseidon, and if they could just get back, then they would be safe. Here's the problem. He's the God of the seas and the dry land. You understand? He's the God of all things. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. Jonah's delivered through God's judgment onto dry land. But watch, even though Jonah is delivered through or out of God's judgment, even though he is saved, Jonah still has a job to do. Where was Jonah vomited out onto? Ask your neighbor. Come on, ask. The fish puked him up. Where'd he land? If you gave an answer, you're wrong. That was a trick question, wasn't it? Some of y'all said Nineveh, didn't you? Raise your hand if you said Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? Any of y'all, how many of y'all been to Nineveh? Some of you soldiers have been to, to Iraq. Tell me where the ocean is in Iraq. It's a desert. <laughs> Which by definition means there's not an ocean. Or a sea. Or anything that remotely resembles. There's like a little lake up there somewhere. Jonah didn't get, like, as a kid, I remember, and, and, and maybe even as a young one, I remember, I think about this story, and I imagine that the fish kind of, and there comes Jonah. 
Just right there. And Jonah looks up, and there are the walls of Nineveh. And he's like, oh, here I am. God brought me right where I needed to be. No. Unless that fish grew legs and it became the missing link and walked there, the fish did not vomit Jonah out at the walls of Nineveh. The fish vomited Jonah out somewhere on dry land, but it wasn't anywhere close to Nineveh. Nineveh's the middle of the desert. You ready? Hang on to something, because even though God delivers you, saves you, you may still have to walk through the desert of your own rebellion before you find yourself at the place where God will have you. But the good news is, you don't walk there alone. We should be honest. Salvation sometimes hurts. Sometimes it's scary. Yes, God saves to the uttermost. Yes, salvation is all of God, but the things from which you are saved sometimes cling like seaweed and dead fish particles to Jonah's hair. And you can't shake it loose. I want you to imagine the people that encountered Jonah. I don't know if any of you like had one of those dramatic... I know, well, let me back up. I know that some of you have had some pretty dramatic salvation experiences. I know that I've had some pretty dramatic experiences in my life when the Lord has done some incredible things. And, and in my brain, and maybe it's just because one of, you know, I, I'm, I'm just so arrogant and prideful that I think the world revolves around me, so maybe that's it. But in my mind, there's this thought that when God does something incredible in your life, like the world's going to know. You know, maybe you got saved on a Sunday morning, and there was this thought in your mind that, man, God, the, the world's going to know when I walk into work on Monday morning that God has showed up. I want you to imagine Jonah gets vomited out by a fish. Y'all figure that people walked up and said, boy, there's something different in your life. No! You know what the people walked up to Jonah and said? You smell like fish vomit. They might have said, man, there's something different about you. You smell like you've been living in a whale for three days. Are you willing for God to save you, to deliver you, to rescue you, if it means you smell like a whale for three days? Are you willing for God to use you if it means seaweed wrapped around your head in darkness all around? Some of you have never been delivered because you don't want to be and this morning I'm asking you I'm begging you would you trust God's plan for your life even knowing that it might be painful in late January of 1945 121 army ranger volunteers set out to attempt the rescue of over 513 allied POWs in a Japanese camp in the Philippines. Hampton Sides recounts this in his book, Ghost Soldiers. The prisoners were survivors of the Baton Death March. They'd lived in awful conditions. The pictures of these men is heartbreaking. They'd lived there for three years, suffering from starvation, disease, and abuse. The ranger unit that performed the raid and the Filipino guerrillas who provided assistance did an incredible act of heroism. The reason that they 
rushed to this camp to rescue these men was that U.S. commanders had become aware of massacres by the Japanese as they fled from the Philippines. And there was a fear among the commanders that as the Japanese fled under defeat that they would massacre these 513 POWs in this prisoner camp. As a consequence, they sent this group of army rangers to rescue these men. It's an interesting thing that these men desperately needed to be rescued and yet they couldn't figure out a way. They couldn't contact anybody. They couldn't ask for help. They were dead men waiting to be buried until somebody showed up. You don't have to wait any longer. You may be dead in your trespasses and sins, but you know the one who can bring you salvation. And his name is Jesus. Do you need to be delivered today? You're not too far gone. You can't do it on your own. But you can be saved. That whole process might not be enjoyable. But you know, we're kind of getting ahead of the cart when we worry too much about what's going to happen tomorrow, aren't we? Let's move past all the things that could come in the future. And let's focus on today. Do you need to be delivered? Delivered from your past? Delivered from the pet present? Delivered from your sin? Delivered from your shame? Delivered from your rebellion? Jesus came and lived 33 years of sinless perfection. He died a sinner's death on a cruel cross so that you wouldn't have to. He was buried and like Jonah was in the grave for three days. But like Jonah did not see corruption. And on the third day, the grave vomited him out. Jesus passed through God's judgment and came out victorious on the other side as the firstborn from the dead. And He ascended to the right hand of the Father where He stands forevermore, is seated in glory and power. And He did so so that you could be delivered. He died for your sin and my sin, for your shame and my shame, for your hurt and my hurt. He died for your addictions. He died for your adultery. He died for your dishonesty. He, he died for your violence. He died for your temper. He died for your hard heart. And you're not too far gone. We're going to stand and sing one of my favorite songs in just a minute. And we've been planning this song on this Sunday for a number of weeks because we're going to sing the sermon in this song 
I sought the Lord and He answered and delivered me from my enemies. Would you seek the Lord today? He has sought you. Would you be delivered from yourself and from your sin and from your shame? Would you find salvation in the arms of Jesus today? Stand with me as we pray. Father God in heaven, you are beautiful above all. You are glorious and powerful. You're the God of the covenant and the God of fulfilled promises. We can trust you. Would you give us trust this morning? Lord, I I wonder if you wouldn't. God, I don't wonder. I, I beg. God, if you wouldn't send your Holy Spirit to move powerfully among us. Even as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.